Welcome back to uh, TNL. <laughs> Welcome back to another Tuesday. Um, I didn't see, uh, you know, last week we talked about Sabbath, and I asked you guys to let me know how it was going and how you guys were doing. And uh, I accidentally suggested that people with kids should take their kids out to ice cream every week for Sabbath. And um, none of you took me up on that, it seems like. I held up my end of the bargain. I took my kid out to ice cream because I said it, but um, I think we should all go together. That sounds more fun to me. So if someone's interested in, in working out some sort of like ice cream get-together every Sunday, Trev, you in? You look very interested in what I'm saying for the first time. Uh, we're spending the next several weeks uh, looking at different spiritual practices to help us uh, take responsibility for our spiritual development and grow. Um, these practices that we're talking about aren't magical. Uh, they're not quick fixes. They're ways to help us form habits that produce uh, greater maturity and Christ-likeness in our lives. Um, they're habits that help us tap into the power of the Spirit that God, of the Spirit of God that is in and around us all of the time. Uh, to bring a greater order to the chaos of our lives. Um, spiritual development moves us from chaos to order. And like I just said last week, the practice that we looked at was Sabbath. And this week, the, the practice or rhythm that we're going to be looking at is gratitude. Um, gratitude moves us from cynicism to joy. Gratitude moves us from cynicism to joy. Uh, we've talked a lot about gratitude around here uh, over the past couple of years. It, it's maybe the simplest but one of the most powerful practices. Uh, there's nothing that has had quite the same impact on my life in the past two years as trying to cultivate a posture of gratitude has. Um, if you remember from when we talked about gratitude before, um, gratitude is the awareness of God's generosity toward us. That's it. Gratitude is the awareness of God's generosity towards us. And it has profound, it has profound impacts on us. Uh, there's plenty of science to back this up. If you're interested, you should look into the work of Dr. Robert Emmons. Uh, he's sort of the expert on gratitude, but he's collected all this data that shows that uh, regular practices of gratitude actually rewire our brains. It changes the way that we interpret reality. Our brains naturally uh, find a lot of, of well, our, our brains naturally crave novelty. We find a lot of satisfaction in newness and new experiences. And at the same time, our brains are highly adaptable. <laughs> They're highly capable of adapting to new experiences, which sort of sets us up for a lot of dissatisfaction, right? We crave newness, but we also quickly adapt to newness. Gratitude rewires our brains to, to celebrate more than adapt. Gratitude allows our highly adaptable brains to slow down, to savor, to appreciate, and to relish goodness. And that shift in our brain seems to lead to a lot of joy. The data shows that people who are more grateful are more healthy physically, mentally, and socially. Regular practices of gratitude form us to be more compassionate, uh, more helpful, more, more hopeful, more forgiving, and more generous people. Practicing gratitude changes the way that we interpret reality by allowing us to see more of reality by helping us to grow in awareness of God's generosity toward us. Uh, if you can remember way back in the long, long ago, the summer of 2019, uh, we went through a series on prayer, and gratitude was a form of prayer that we talked about in that series that we delved into. Um, that was when I started to really get hooked on this practice of gratitude. 
before then, I often thought that, that people who were <laughs> pushing practices of gratitude were really just repackaging toxic positivity. People trying to stick, uh, trick themselves into being happy, trick themselves into thinking that everything was okay by shoving down negative emotions, by ignoring everything that was going on around them, everything bad, uh, but turning off uh, a level of awareness to reality. That's what I thought people who were really into gratitude were all about. But what I've come to find is that living gratefully is actually a really uh, gritty and raw form of uh, expanding our awareness. Practicing gratitude is, is committing to relentlessly search, to relentlessly search for the good, uh, regardless of the suffering that we see or experience in our lives. Living gratefully is not toxic positivity. It isn't sticking your head in the sand and, and pretending that everything is good. Gratitude is a choice that's far more difficult and takes more faith than toxic positivity or cynicism. Practicing gratitude is a great is an act of brave resistance. It's relentless persistence of fostering an awareness of God's generosity. Gratitude is awareness of God's generosity toward us. And the natural human reaction to, to God's generosity is joy. That's what we experience when we notice God being generous to us. So if you want more joy in your life, practice gratitude. Gratitude moves us toward joy. Uh, David Stendhal Rast, a Benedictine monk, captured this idea really well, saying, it's not joy that makes us grateful. It's gratitude that makes us joyful. So what are typical obstacles? What are typical uh, joy killers in our lives? Off the top of my head, I thought of envy, resentment, and entitlement. Um, interestingly enough, these are, all of these things are things that gratitude has a, tends to have a pretty strong counteracting effect on. But none of these is the biggest stealer of joy in my life. Uh, for me, and maybe for you, I think the biggest barrier to joy is cynicism. Cynicism is, is a form of denying reality. It's a refusal to see God's generosity toward us and, and instead strives to only see things in the harshest, most critical, and darkest form. If gratitude is an expansion of our awareness to see more of reality, cynicism is a reduction of it. I tend to think uh, that my ability to acknowledge the bad in the world, because I'm much better at that than acknowledging the good, I tend to think that that is a more enlightened posture than people who err on the side of positivity. But maybe the biggest takeaway for me in studying gratitude over the past few years is realizing this. My cynicism is rarely the result of me seeing bad in the world. It's actually almost always a result of my refusal to see any good. My cynicism isn't the result of my awareness of all that's wrong in the world. It's instead uh, my, uh, the result of my willful lack of awareness. It's the result of me sticking my head in the sand and ignoring part of reality, ignoring God's generosity toward me and to others. It's like almost the exact opposite of positive or <laughs> toxic positivity. So cultivating a posture of gratitude helps me open my clenched fists and see God's generosity toward me and to others. Uh, I came to this realization in the middle of reading this really famous but seemingly unrelated story about Jesus in Matthew 14. Um, like the point of this story is not gratitude, uh, but it, it's, it helped me see something really key about gratitude. So there's this famous story of Jesus caught in this tough spot where he's, he's just taught this crowd of thousands of people 
um, who are now hungry and are looking to him and his disciples to feed them. And all the disciples can scrounge up are five loaves of bread and two fish. You've heard this story. And rather than scoff and complain that God really should have provided more if he wanted all these people fed, Jesus doesn't write off this meager food as nothing. These five loaves and two fish to feed five, over 5,000 people. Let's just look at the story real quick. Um, so Jesus has just taught and massive crowds are gathering. And so he tries, anytime massive crowds start to gather around Jesus, he tries to kind of get away from them. So he goes to withdraw to a secluded place um, to get away from the majority of the crowd. Some of the crowd decides to follow him, which he seems to be pretty cool with. And then this happens. This is Matthew 14. As the evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat, which is a cool job. Uh, they said, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides women and children. That's the whole story. So Jesus sees what he's been given and he gives thanks for it. He's thankful for it. And from that, God does something really amazing and beautiful and the entire crowd is fed to their fill and there's a bunch of leftovers. Leftovers are amazing. Everyone loves leftovers. Uh, if I were in Jesus's position, this is what kind of the light bulb that went off in my head. If I were in Jesus's position in that story, I would have been completely resentful and overwhelmed. What in the world am I supposed to do with, with this? And I would be entitled and I would think to myself, I shouldn't have to deal with this. And I would be cynical and I would think, why is the world so messed up that people are starving and why is this my problem to solve? If you all wanted food, you should have brought it. Completely ignoring the fact that these are poor, starving people. The last thing on my mind, honestly, would be to thank God for what I have. I'd be mad at him for allowing the situation to exist. And uh, I'd be mad about how this situation is going to just highlight my ineptitude. <laughs> so take, put yourself in, in a similar situation. Take it out of this story. How do you react in pressurized, stressful situations? It's not my default to react with a posture of gratitude. I tend to react out of a posture of cynicism and self-consciousness. I complain about situations and then maybe sometimes try to fix them, all while freaking out about what people are going to think about me when I inevitably fail. My default isn't to be grateful what I for what I have, but lament what I don't and be bitter and resentful about it. So what I take away from this is that when, when this is my default posture, cynicism rather than gratitude, if nothing else, I'm forfeiting opportunities to see God do beautiful things. I'm refusing to see the beautiful things happening all around me. I'm shrinking my awareness and willfully ignoring part of reality. And that's not who I want to be. I want to be someone who sees more of reality, not just one aspect of it. I want to be someone who recognizes the gift that God has given me, the gifts that God has given me. 
Um, I want to be someone who recognizes God's generosity towards me. I want to be joyful. I want to be grateful. So how can we cultivate postures of gratitude? All the research basically agrees that the best way to cultivate more gratitude in your life is by doing something incredibly simple. To the point where like, it almost seem, sounds like this shouldn't work. But keeping track of things that you're grateful for is like all it takes. <laughs> Daily or at least weekly. Everything that I've read says the most effective way is to keep a gratitude journal and record at least three things every day that you're thankful for. Studies show that, that uh, seeing the benefits of gratitude start to show up in, in three weeks or less of doing this every day. And they just grow and grow the more you stick with it. That's really it. I think something else that helps us form postures of gratitude is being aware of who we're surrounding ourselves with. I asked you all to, to, well, we posted on our social media earlier this week a question about how um, does a grateful person affect your perspective on what really matters in the world? And I would love to hear your answers on that if you want to go find that on our Instagram and respond to it there. But I think surrounding yourself with people who are grateful is going to have a huge impact on your ability to be grateful. And if you only surround yourself with people who are cynical, you're going to have a really hard time being a grateful person. One of the most grateful people that I know is someone who doesn't really talk about gratitude a whole lot, um, but is maybe the least cynical and uh, least entitled person I know, and that's Trevor Moore, who's right now just hanging out at the front, at the front desk being our security guard, um, because Trevor just does what you ask him to. But being around, here, there, here's the story about Trevor that I tell people that, um, I'm not sure if it's a good story or not, but to me it perfectly highlights Trevor's heart. So Trevor and I met in seminary, and we met on this online class. I was telling Shana and Haley this story just the other day. Um, we were in this terrible class online together. Like, it was awful. I think it, I think it was the one about research, where they teach you how to research. But it was written when we took it like 40 years earlier. So, like, the web was a brand new thing when this class was made. And Trevor and I are taking it on the internet. So one of the, like, there's a whole chapter about what is a web browser. And we're just like, ah, we are reading this on one. We're doing this entire class. For people who came back to school, who had gone and had a whole career and were coming back for a second career, in their 50s or over, this class made all the sense in the world. But for two millennials in their 20s, I was a web developer at the time. It was so frustrating. So I remember one of our first conversations, Trevor and I, was I just laid out everything that was wrong with this class, like everything that was terrible with it. And I'll never forget, Trevor's response to me was, yeah, man, I completely agree. What do you think we could do to make it better? And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm here to complain. <laughs> You're like looking for solutions. Trevor was just like stoked to be in school. Trevor was so happy to be in seminary. Having a terrible class didn't really bother him. And it drove me up a wall. But being around people like Trevor helps me maintain perspective of what really matters. Trevor works at Bud's Warehouse, which if you don't know anything about, you should look it up. He manages it. And it's a really hard job. And Trevor's pretty consistently steamrolled by his job. And he 
almost never lets that affect his outlook on what he's doing in the world, which I have a lot to learn from him about <laughs> in that regard. And when I'm around Trevor and we talk about his job, even when it's really, really hard, it helps me remember that like, my job is not everything. And the most important parts of my job are the effect that I'm having on people. And above any of that, my family matters so much more. Just being around Trevor helps me be more grateful for so many things in my life, which is why it's really important to me that Trevor is uh, an elder here. Um, I didn't plan on talking about Trevor for that long. Trevor, I'm sorry. <laughs> also, I love you. Um, but I, I've completely forgot where I was in this talk because I just went on and on and on about Trevor. Uh, but here's the thing. You want to uh, create a gratitude journal, someplace where you can keep track of things that you're grateful for on a daily or weekly basis. On top of that, take a look around your relationships and try to surround yourself more with people who are grateful. That's really it. What would it look like for you to cultivate a practice of gratitude by journaling a few things that you're thankful for every day? It's like surprisingly easy to the point where sometimes it feels pointless, but it pays huge dividends. How might a greater awareness of God's generosity toward you affect your spiritual development? I'm going to commit to doing this for the rest of the month, at least six days a week. I might take Sabbath off because, you know, no work. But what if you joined me in committing to do this daily for the remainder of the month and see, just see what, begins to, what it begins to produce in your life? If we stick to it, what we'll find is this shift that happens in our brains that changes the way that we interpret reality, that expands our awareness of generosity in our lives and moves us from cynicism towards joy. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for um, how ridiculously generous and loving and grateful you are towards us. So much more than we um, probably could ever acknowledge, and certainly more than we tend to acknowledge. God, I'm so thankful that your posture towards us isn't dependent on <laughs> our posture towards you. but I thank you for simple things like just noticing the goodness in our lives, surrounding ourselves with people who notice the goodness in their lives and our lives and how much that draws us closer to you. So God, I pray that you would help all of us um, have a greater sense of what you're doing and, and the, the ways that you are reaching out to us in generosity that we would be able to see past our cynicism, be willing to take the risk of seeing the good in the world. We love you, God. Amen.